Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with Boxing Hall of Famer and former two-time heavyweight champion of the world, Big Daddy Riddick Bo. And now down goes Evander, a right hand by Bo. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. This is Brett Boone. And, you know, normally on this podcast, we've, we've had a lot of baseball players and a lot of football players and hockey, hockey stars. But today we get Big Daddy Riddick Bo, heavyweight champion of the world. How you doing, Riddick? I'm doing okay. Actually, that's two-time heavyweight champion of the world. Two time, and yes, and I, I've been doing a lot of research on you, man. What an interesting career you had! What a great career you had, uh, man. To to be called the heavyweight champ, I, I think about all the sports, you know, baseball, football, basketball, the main sports. But I was trying to come up with with arguably the highest honor in sports. And I'm thinking for me, if you if I walked around, you called me the heavyweight champ. I think that would be the ultimate. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah, man. I think it's wonderful. Um, I guess we as fighters, we work hard so people can call us champ. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, that motivates us. Yeah, I'm fascinated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. All of us in, in the sports world, you know, we get our start. As For me, I was a baseball player, so I started at an early age in Little League. How does Riddick Bo? Mm-hmm. did you wake up one day and say, I want to be heavyweight champ of the world? How, how, do you get, how did you get your start in boxing? What, what drew you to boxing? Like, well, uh, one day, um, the teacher brought a tape in about Muhammad Ali. I heard his name, but I really wasn't, you know, too sure. What was going on? But then, as I as the, the tape started to, to go, I told you I know that guy, and he turned and said, "Come on, sucker! Come on, sucker!" I did. I did the dream. I just fell in love with Muhammad Ali, and I fell in love with boxing, and um, I've been doing it ever since. You know, and there was a guy in class who was a bully. <clears throat> he said, "I, I like your Frazier better." And I just, I like Muhammad Ali better. And he um he jumped up and he approached me like he wanted to fight. And being from Brooklyn, I smacked him right in the mouth and we began to fight and after it was over with the teacher said, Really you pretty good with your hands. Uh when we left we to call the gym first, you called the gym and I've been boxing them for since. Mm-hmm. And in the in the boxing world, um Take take the Boone podcast inside what it's like to be an amateur. I know you were a silver medalist in the 88 Olympics, but mm-hmm. what's it like as an amateur before you turn pro? Well, amateurs, I you fought in Russia, Poland, I was in Korea, and all the countries I mentioned to you, and many more than that. That's what we did. We traveled all the time just fighting. And um, the Olympics were, the, I guess, you know, the peak of all that, and after the Olympics, we all, well, I don't, I turned pro, and um, I guess a lot of guys did the same thing, and I guess that's what we, we, we train and we fight for, to be able to turn pro and have the experience. Yeah, because, and once again, you know, 
in, in the world of baseball, uh, we have a draft, we have a minor league system where we're kind of isolated a little bit and they kind of coddle us, you know, in the minor leagues and, and teach us. And, and one day a select few get to go on and play in the big leagues. But it seems like in boxing, you know, it, it seems like it's you and your team, it's you and your team against the world. And, and there's, there's no organization that, that, resides over you to help you give you a facility it seems like it's you and your crew how, how did you how did you choose the guys you chose to work with growing up uh in the fight game well actually as a professional i guess you know people they watch the olympics or what have you so they know what your desires are so after i came home from the olympics i got about 10 guys that called me and said well you know we would like to work with you and I had to choose for them 10 who I felt was the best fit for me when I picked uh, Ross Newman. Okay. And, and Ross, what, what was Newman's role? Uh, he was my manager. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. So looking back over, and like I said, going into this interview, I, I did some more research. We're, we're about the same age. So I grew up in your in your era watching you guys. And uh, right. the, the thing they talk about with Riddick Bull, you had three epic battles with Holyfield. They call it the trilogy. And in the last couple right. of days, uh, my sons, I've got two sons that are 16 years old, and they're, they're into the modern-day fighting, you know, the UFC. And I said, I'm going to have Riddick Bull on the show. And they were really interested, and they pulled up your fights. I got to see one, two, and three. Uh, you, you beat Evander the first time, second time, your only loss, uh, you were 43 in one career. Your only loss was to Evander the second fight. And then in the third fight, you knocked him out. Uh, talk about how, how, how big of a deal that was huge deal at the time. Talk about the trilogy a little bit. Oh, well, to be the first guy to knock Evander out, that's a great honor. So, you know, Evander, when he comes, he brings it. He don't be joking with you. And to have that honor to be the first guy to beat him ever. Um, I've been up for the heavyweight championship of the world, the unified heavyweight championship of the world. So I think the two, um, those two wins were, were, you know, spectacular, you know, as far as I, I'm concerned. And he's, he ain't nothing but the truth. He is the real deal, you know. And he's going to, he's going to, if you're going to fight him, He's going to be in great shape, and he's always ready. So people know when you talk about the band of Holyfield, he is the real deal. He's not, that's not a joke. He's the real deal. So it was an honor for me to fight him and to, you know, to work with him. You know, and recently, and, and I don't know if you caught it, in the last couple of weeks, uh, the great Mike Tyson came back on a, on a pay-per-view uh Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson. And I think for me, the novice uh, boxing fan, like I said, it, it was a part of my era. I grew up watching all of you guys when you were in your prime. So I was I was almost curious. So I did watch the fight and uh, I thought it was interesting. You know, it was interesting. Obviously, we're all a little bit older now, so we're not going to be, you know, like we were in our prime. But Riddick Bowe never fought Mike Tyson, and and uh, there are probably a lot of reasons behind that. What would have happened if Riddick bro- Riddick Bowe in his prime hooked up with Mike Tyson? Well, let's do it this way. 
I beat Holyfield two times, and he beat Mike Tyson two times. Do the math. I would have beat Mike <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, see, a guy like Mike Tyson, he knows who has his number. And like Holyfield, and like Holyfield, and my outer line came out, so he just avoided me. So he was very smart with me, you know, in doing that in, in his career because I would have destroyed him. Think about it, I got a, a pretty good jab. I'm not intimidated. So I think those those two things, they, they played a big part. Well, he figured, well, you know, Billy Boy's not intimidated, so we're going to get somebody else, and that that's what he did in my book. All right, this section of the of the podcast, I want to <clears throat> I want to play a little. I'm going to give you a name, and you just give me whatever comes to mind. You think of that particular fighter. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the great Muhammad Ali. What does Riddick Bowe think of Muhammad Ali? That's my idol, man. I wouldn't be near if it wasn't for him. George Foreman. George Foreman. He's a, he gave me a lot of great inspiration. Lennox Lewis. Mm-hmm. Well, Lennox Lewis, um, uh, I got for a long time we didn't like each other, but he's okay. You know, he's okay. And the last one I want to list, I want to list Larry Holmes. Larry Holmes. Larry, Larry, Larry's my buddy, and every time we get together, we bother each other about who has the better jab. I think he his jab was probably more active, but my jab was harder. So I think we're even. <laughs> Follow following the uh, the second time uh, that you got into the ring and beat Evander, the second win, you followed that up with two fights against Andrew Galata. They they ended right. in two. Two DQs. I think a riot broke out after one of the fights. Uh, tell tell the the listeners out there, the fans of the Boone Podcast, give me a little insight. What was behind those Andrew Galata fights? And and take well, us I'm inside gonna, a little. Bit. I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to believe. Before the um, before the fight, I don't know how they did it. I was drugged because when I got into the ring. I seen three people. When I look at Andrew Glass, I seen three people. I look at the referee, I seen three people. And I said to myself, I don't know what they did to me, but I I'm smart enough to know that I better hit the one in the middle. And it was just <laughs> hard for me to hit the guy in the middle because there was a lot of them. So that that's what happened that fight. Somebody drugged me. This is the first time I'm telling people about this, but I. Uh, it's been twenty over twenty years ago, so I can tell you know. I can. I just wasn't myself. I mean, I thought his head was there, but it wasn't, and I was drugged before the fight. At, at this stage, at this stage uh, for Riddick, but we all we all have our prime. We all have our careers. Uh, me on the baseball side, I've been retired for about twelve years now. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things about the game that I don't miss. I don't miss swinging at that nasty slider on the out, you know, in the dirt and going back to the dugout. But I do miss the camaraderie with the guys uh, putting in the hard work in the offseason, getting ready for a season and just the day to day uh, 
going to the ballpark and competing uh, as a heavyweight champ. When you step out of the ring, you know, that final time and, and you go into regular everyday life that we all have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. What does Riddick Bowe miss most about the fight game? Well, I, um, I miss the people. I guess I'm, I'm I, you know, I love everybody. So I just miss the people, you know, at one point they would run up to me, hey, champ, hey, champ. And so it's not like it anymore. Every now and then you get a person to run up to you. But I'm a people's person, so I love, I love people. So I think that's the hardest part for me, not having that type of attention. Uh, take take uh, boxing today versus boxing in your heyday, or, or pick any generation that that was your favorite. Is is boxing better today, or is it worse today? And if so, what do you think boxing needs to do to get back to those glory years? Okay. Well, I like the Ali Frazier, George Foreman, that era. I think that was the best era. And I think me and Holyfield, our our, our trilogy makes, makes it the second best. But um, what what can we do to make boxing better? Hmm. I guess change the laws about boxing. Certain things you can't do, um, like the manager cannot be the promoter at the same time, and things of that nature. Yeah, that's that's interesting. When you when you you know when you look at the 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 small things that make such a difference, and maybe everybody doesn't. Obviously, everybody's not going to see. Uh, the nuances in the game, like, like a former fighter, you know, even someone like myself, who, who's just, like I said, I'm a, I'm a very novice when it comes to, I'm a big fight fan, but I'm a novice when I, when it, when it comes to knowing all the intricacies <clears throat> at this stage of the, of the boom podcast, what we like to do is uh, we get some, qu- we get a question from the fans and uh, mm-hmm. Dan Levy, who is the, the voice of the Boone podcast, he comes back in and asks a question. Dan? Hey, guys. How are you, champ? Hey, how you doing, Dan? Good to, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you, too, sir. I got a question for you. I'm going to bounce it off you. Okay. With all this talk of Mike Tyson coming back and boxing people, if the price was right, would you do a fight with Mike Tyson right now? Absolutely, without question. But I think my jab is impeccable. I'm not intimidated, so he ain't trying to see me. Excellent. Excellent. And also one more just to to bonus off of it. Out of all the years that you fought and you've been in some wars in the ring, who hit you the one time and you were like, that's the hardest I've ever been hit? A guy by the name of Herbie Hyde from England. He even with a shot everyone I couldn't hear nothing. I didn't see nothing, but he made a mistake. He hit me again, and he brought me back. And <laughs> that, I moved ahead, and he was in trouble. Gotcha. Well, Riddick Bo, we want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today. We really enjoyed your time, and thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks, champ. Thanks, oh, Riddick. God bless you, and thanks so much. Mailbag. Brett, you know that sound. That means it's time to dip into the Brett Boone mailbag. And you know how it rolls, everybody. If you got a question and there's something that you would like for Brett to personally answer, 
shoot him a text message or a shoot him a tweet on Twitter at at the boon 29. And that's where we'll find all your questions and we will save it on a podcast and he will answer. Brett, you ready to roll? Ready to roll. All right, let's dig on in. All right. This one comes from Joe Brett. What is the biggest event you've ever been to? Biggest event. Oh, okay. Probably. It, man, that, that's kind of a, a broad question. Biggest crowd, I, I think, was the Hall of Fame induction two years ago uh, in Cooperstown. Because I had no idea. And I think we've covered this before on the podcast, but I had no idea. I, I, all these years I've been watching it on TV and it looks like there's, you know, a few hundred people in the crowd and the families and stuff. But when you get there, it's, it goes, for, it seems like it goes for miles up a wow. grass, grass lawn. And there's probably 80, 90,000 people there. It's pretty, pretty unbelievable. It's, it's, wow. I described it before. It's, it's kind of like what I would anticipate or, or what I'd think Woodstock would have been like, but uh, <laughs> that's probably from a, from a people standpoint, that's probably the biggest event. I've been at a lot of 50, 60,000 people events, but uh, never 70 or 80. Wow. Well, not that I've, no one's asking my opinion, but I went to a Super Bowl, and that was the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. All right. Question number two. This one is from the fans. Brett, who's your favorite basketball player of all time? I've never really had a favorite player. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, on the court. I've got a lot that I really, really respect. Larry Bird. Larry Bird. I really, I, I really like magic, too really like magic i think his name was fitting did you ever get to meet any of these guys i haven't met either one oh i i've met magic in in passing i wouldn't say i know either one never never uh shook hands with with uh larry bird but uh i i just loved watching him you know he was kind of the under the radar not really flashy but just really good him and magic are right there for me you know magic he used to do things that hence the name i mean it seemed like when when you needed a big bucket uh it, it seemed like magic didn't miss but both those, those are my those are my two favorites gotcha and finally your last question brett how far would you hit a baseball with an aluminum bat that's from Chris Pitts. How far could Brett Boone hit a baseball if I gave you an aluminum bat instead of the Louisville Slugger? Well, I think I think uh, I, I don't think the actual distance of a ball is going to go that much farther with aluminum bat. The difference between aluminum and a, and, and a good piece of wood is the sweet spot. It's going to come off the bat consistently a higher velocity. But the overall distance isn't going to be as as big of a difference as you'd think. But if I were my best bolt with a with a wood bat and my best bolt with a aluminum, it's probably not going to be what you think. It's probably only a ten or fifteen foot difference. Well, thank you so much for all those that went ahead and tweeted Brett Boone at the Boone twenty nine. Those are some great questions. And again, if you want to go ahead and submit yours, please feel free to do so there. Or Brett's also on Facebook and Instagram, and you can just slide your questions over there, and we'll uh, 
we'll put it to the podcast. So thank you so much for all those that uh, were able to go ahead and submit those questions. And thank you to the champ, Riddick Bowe, for jumping on this very special podcast of the Brett Boom Podcast. And once again, thanks to all of you for downloading, sharing, and subscribing. Tell all your friends this is the one spot where you're going to hear all your favorite athletes just the way you've always wanted them to, to speak to Brett Boone. And you get to hear what they really sound like when they're not being asked really hard, hard, mean questions from other media. We're actually talking to these guys and they're giving us the real answers, real stories that you won't hear anywhere else. For the former Major League Baseball player, the Silver Slugger, the All-Star, the Golden Glover, Brett Boone, my name is Dan Levy. We'll do it again soon. Take care, everybody.